Welcome to the West Podcast, where women entrepreneurs tell their tales. SDCO West empowers women and propels economic growth across South Dakota. We do that by offering free, confidential, one-on-one business advising, in-person and virtual trainings, and results-driven networking opportunities. We provide a platform for small business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, and forward-thinking entrepreneurs to gain resources to build their business and tell their stories. Women own 43.2% of businesses in South Dakota. Taking steps forward, achieving your business dreams, and being confident in what steps to take can be very daunting. We walk alongside you, empowering South Dakotans in both business and in life to achieve your dreams and create a high-quality life for yourself and your community. Now join us for a journey west to discover your business dreams. Today on the West Podcast, I'd like to welcome Kate Meadows with Kate Meadows Writing and Editing. Kate is a creative nonfiction writer, editor, and book coach who helps people build stories, bring their brands and ideas to life, and help them reach more people through that. We are so excited to hear her story and how she became a professional writer, dreams that people think of when they're little girls. Please join us and you'll hear more about Kate and her journey. They're back. Cindy Mayer and Carol Grannis are back from 2017 and 2022 to grace the 12th Annual Women's Business Summit stage once again. We are so excited to have them back and dive into topics like workplace accountability, psychological safety, workplace culture, employee loyalty, and customer loyalty. They'll be complimented by local area experts as well. And of course, our business showcase, women in leadership graduation, and Secrets out of the bag. It's our 15th anniversary, and we might have a little treat up our sleeve as well. Join us on October 19th at the Box Event Center in Rapid City for the 12th Annual Women's Business Summit. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. You, We are so jazzed. So Kate Meadows owns Kate Meadows Writing and Editing, and... It sounds like you've just been having a really busy, kind of fun summer. Do you want to talk about any fun projects you've worked on recently? Boy, um, yeah, I, uh, I've got a lot of just individual clients, and uh, I just finished editing a novel that took me, I don't know if I should admit this, but it took me a year to edit it, but it was like 300,000 words, and we had to cut, 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 right? Mm-hmm. We had to cut a lot of it out. Um, so finishing that project and delivering it was just... But it was so satisfying and fulfilling and nice to have off your plate as well. Right, right. Open up a little bit more space. So, And I'm sure we'll get into it later, but I'm sure writing a novel is not an easy task because you have to worry about like storylines and making sure what you cut, you don't cut any crucial information and Mm -hmm. all the things. I love reading books. I'm sure people know that by now. So (laughs) I'm always curious about Mm -hmm. the editing and writing process. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about your business. So what is Kate Meadows writing and editing? Sure. So Kate Meadows writing and editing is all about, uh, helping people get clear on their story, their message, their idea. Uh, so I help 
business owners, small business owners uh, with their business stories, getting clear on their web content or marketing material. Um, but I also help creative writers uh, find structure and clarity in um, kind of the nut of the story that they're writing. That's awesome. I think writing intimidates a lot of people. So having mm-hmm. someone that's an expert and just someone to rely on to help you clear the vision and help you get you know, up to snuff is, it it probably brings people so much relief and joy when they work with you. Um, So when did you start this business? That's a really tough question because it's kind of been, I've been working on it here and there for many years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my, my husband and I have had this sort of story, you could say, of trading off and on of who's the breadwinner, right? Who's who's bringing home the bacon, so to speak. And uh, when we first got married, he was still in college, so I worked as a newspaper reporter. Um, But even on the side, I was writing my own stories and sending them off to magazines and and working on uh, pieces for a future book. Then uh, he graduated and he got the job as an engineer, and so I went back to school and got my master's in writing. Um, And so then I was going to school and then uh, kids came along and then we're trying to navigate, you know, how do we have a family and have a full time job and have me trying to do this? What was what I called freelancing Mm -hmm. at the time? And what does that look like? Um, And his job moved us around a lot. He was in, in industrial construction, so we'd always go where the projects were. So we couldn't ever really get plugged in anywhere too long before we're. Off to a new place. Right. And so that was hard to really like find a community, like a literal community of people to be, you know. A part of and connect with. Right. And And to have something to offer value because they're like, who are you? You know, you're Mm -hmm. new to town. Um, so it wasn't until we moved. Oh, and then he, he left his job, went back to school for another profession. And so then I went back to work full time so that he could get his master's. (laughs) And, um, and so I still worked in, you know, that I was a, um, translation project manager so which was a job I didn't even know existed until I found it online and thought you know that I could be a pretty good fit for that Um, but again on the side I was still writing and then I was teaching um, doing like writing workshops and I was editing you know doing some editing work for a few clients just in my off time Mm -hmm. right um but still holding down that full-time job and so then that was four years and then we moved to rapid city and that's here we are yes and um that was in 2019 and we had kind of agreed at that time like when we moved he goes into his new job and now you kate can really start digging into this business that you know we know you've always wanted to build right it's always been a part of what you do it just wasn't the time to become a full-time thing exactly yeah and now it is and so that's it's a beautiful thing and I love it (laughs) good so why writing and editing tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about your background and how this came into play sure so um I I think I was born to be a writer I mean I don't even think I know that I mean I, I don't remember a time that I didn't want to write I remember my first story that I wrote when I was like three and my mom put it on the fridge, right? And and that's kind of like the beginning of everything. Um, so it had always been 
a part of me. Mm -hmm. Uh, In high school, you know, it's you're a teenager and you need to go get a job. What are you going to do for the summer? And my parents encouraged me to go talk to the local newspaper editor and see if she would hire me. And I laughed. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, they're not going to hire a teenager. Right. (laughs) And she's like, you never know, my mom. You know, she said, you never know. Um, Go find out. Well, it just so happened that this is small town, right? Small town Wyoming is Mm -hmm. where I grew up. And the uh, newspaper editor was the wife of my English teacher, my high school English teacher. So he already knew me, the English teacher did. And I was a star student. I don't say that to like, look at me, but English was my like, Right. That was your jam. That's what you, yeah, Yeah, I loved it. And so, um, so I had that and then I, I went in there just kind of thinking, you know, well, she's going to laugh or whatever, but just, you know, hold your head high, whatever. Um, what a great lesson to learn at such a young age. I bet you look back at your mom and be like, bless you. Yes. You had to like, you got to put yourself out there, right? Mm -hmm. If this is something, something you love, let's find a way for you to do it. Um, and it just so happened that at this local newspaper, they had been uh, wanting to start a section of the paper called Neighbors that was all about, it was profiles of people in the community. And I'm going, hello, I love to write about people, right? I love to tell other people's stories. And she said, let's give it a chance. We'll let you try it. And they hired me for the summer. And it was the start of just an amazing I mean, really, I would say a career as a journalist, but I was 15, you know, so I I worked there for the summers and then I built it into an internship um, through my senior year in high school. I came back, I worked, you know, during college. And then again, that was my first job coming out of high school was the Mm -hmm. reporting. And I think I would still probably be doing it today if, you know, if it paid more. Right. And that brings up, you know, a really interesting question that, we're not here to talk about this, but it's just something I think needs to be talked about in general is the importance of local journalism and local news and the value of that. And it has so diminished. And so anyway, um, neither here nor there, but that was how I really got my start. Mm -hmm. And you are so right about local news and papers. It's the people that are in the community. They know what's going on. If you really think about it, how do most people get information? And I think in a world now where we're constantly bombarded with stuff online and digital, it's, we take for granted how much work it takes to go into getting factual information and laying it out for people. Mm -hmm. And it's decreased the value that people see in our eyes because we consume it so fast. But just because we consume faster does not mean it takes quicker. It's faster to create right that and I think the fact that you know the the news industry is changing so fast I mean the smartest people can't even keep up with it right like Mm -hmm. like print to digital to apps to subscription to free you know just all of this and uh, so I think we get kind of spoiled when we can get anything we want news wise for free so why would we pay for anything right you know and then when you don't pay you know, it feels a whole different system. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the news too, and I know each, you know, news sec- uh, uh, like resource or medium has its own kind of audience, but really it's a, it's a universal generational platform. So learning how to speak to all those different people to pr- 
you know, give them the information that they need to know Mm -hmm. is a whole challenge in itself because you are working with everyone from young people to people in their golden years. It is. And it's giving them the information and it's, it's giving it to them in a way that, um, feeds them, that educates them, that fuels them. Um, and that's fair. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a lot of trust that's been lost um, in journalism lately. And what I found, like even with my my hometown where I started, um, the retention rate at local newspapers is so high because like when I started, um, I think I was 22 years old when I started my actual job, job. as a reporter and I was making twenty four thousand dollars a year. Um I mean, and I, I make, you know, I, I don't know. You can't know. live, you off, can't of that live off of anymore. that No, Mm-mm. no. And so, um, but people come in and they start at those like base rates and then they realize they can't make a living that way and they move on. And so these newspapers are just left like trying to hire and hire and hire again. And you get these people coming from out of town who have no idea about the community, don't know the lay of the land, and then are coming at the people who have lived there forever as this authority figure, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it can, it doesn't make the, for the best relationship sometimes. And I think that's where a lot of the mistrust comes in. Yeah. I can see that. Mm-hmm. So let's continue the story about the love of writing. So you had mm-hmm. your job at the newspaper and you're 22, you're working there. What's next? Yep. So that was uh, while my husband was going to college and then he got his degree and that um, turned into a move for us. So we moved, um, we were living in um, Indiana at the time and we moved to Kansas City. Uh, and so that's when I went back to school. I okay. S- um, I so I got my master's degree in professional writing. Okay. And what does one do with a master's in professional writing? Great question. <laughs> so one of the um, kind of things I had always been up against, you know, I, I went to college, got my degree in English, and everyone, it felt like everyone that I talked to were, you know, was telling, you know, what I was doing in college. They're, you know, I'm, I'm going for English and everyone's like, oh, so you're going to be a teacher. And I got so tired of hearing that. I'm like, I'm not going to be a teacher. I love teachers. I am mm-hmm. not one. Um, I want to write. And you hear this, you know, where there's no money in writing. There's no financial value in that. Um, I am so thankful that I, I had parents who supported me through my love and weren't the parents who said, you know, go out and find a real job, like go find something that, you know, mm-hmm. makes money or whatever. Um, and so uh, so with professional writing, my goal is kind of this challenge I put out to myself of everyone says there's no money in writing. I'm going to prove them wrong. How do I, you know make this living for myself doing what I love. I happen to love writing. Mm-hmm. I also really like having a stable, you income. know, <laughs> income, <laughs> livelihood. So what does that look like? How can I make that work? And so that was my real thrust to getting that degree was to learn how to make money doing what I love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what was your first job after you got your um, master's in professional writing? So my master's uh, took two years, and then my job, I would say, if I can say this fairly, was a mom. So 
I, that's a huge uh, job. Yes, <laughs> it's a huge job. And, um, and kids came along and I really wanted, and I think the other part of writing was I could see this kind of career trajectory where I could still be flexible and um, home when needed for my kids and my family. Um, but I still wanted my foot in the professional door, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, for, gosh, probably five or six years, I freelanced. That means I, I wrote articles for newspapers and magazines. Um, and then I also worked on, during my master's, I worked on a book and I published that book after I graduated. So then I was doing a few book tours and um, selling that book. I was working on marketing mm-hmm. that book but also while having you know first one little one at home and then two Um, and then we moved so we moved all over the place with uh, my husband's job we moved back to Kansas City at one point and that's where things kind of really started to take off I hosted um, I I pitched a class to a local writer studio uh, about writing creative nonfiction, which is really my Forte, and we can talk mm-hmm. about that, you know. But um, telling real life stories creatively, and so the director of this writing center, you know, said, "Well, can you put together a four-part series on what creative nonfiction is?" And I said, "Yes." And can we do a sort of workshop session with it too? Which means people bring in drafts of stories mm-hmm. that they've been working on, and we uh, we everybody in the class reads everyone else's stuff and then we offer feedback but before we do that i talk to everyone about how to do that effectively and respectfully yet honestly that kind of Mm -hmm. thing Um, so that class that was a four-week class it was my first taste of like teaching writing Mm -hmm. um, and i loved it because it's just again i'm talking about what i'm passionate about and when you're passionate about something you can't really hide it like it it just comes out right naturally it exudes from you yes and so um i think people really felt that when the four weeks were done there was a small group of people that approached me and said we want like will you do it again we want like what's next and i said well i don't i don't have anything next that that was it and they said well can you do it again and we want it we want and i'm like the the act the exact same class and they said yeah and then we want to meet with you weekly and pay you to work with us and so that was again this sort of um job that i wasn't necessarily looking for Mm -hmm. but i feel like i'd be a fool to say no you know because it's we want to pay you to continue to talk about what you love to talk about and we are getting so much like we're getting so much insight and learning so much Mm -hmm. so it really felt like a win-win um, so between that and the writing and editing that I was doing, um, that was kind of taking up my time, plus being at home with kids. And I felt like I was really finding my sweet spot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I was starting to kind of make a name for myself in Kansas City. And I had my clients, and I was getting down this balance, right, of, of the professional life and the uh, being a mom, um, which no one ever tells you, like, is like one of life's biggest mysteries how do you do it <laughs> you you just you just do it <laughs> yes you do there's no there's no textbook um and so that was going really really well and then um my husband I love him to pieces he said I don't want to be an engineer anymore like this is not for me I want to uh 
like, I, I want to go be a pastor. Oh, okay. And I went, whoa, like an engineer. And I always joke with people, right? Like I'll say, well, I married him for his money. He's going to be an engineer. So I could be the writer. Like that's hot, right? Hot, right? But then it, but it was, it was kind of like, well, what are we going to do with a pastor's salary? <laughs> um, and, but, and that was another four years of school for him mm-hmm. in another place, not in Kansas city. So it was meaning another move mm-hmm. where we had already moved a whole bunch and each move gets harder and harder. I find, and especially with kids when you put, so when it was just the two of us, it was kind of an adventure and like, yeah, we'll go wherever. And it's, you know, life is short and we want to see places and, Mm -hmm. and it was all fun. And then kids start to come along and it's like, well, where are we going to like, who are their friends going to be? And what do we do about preschool? And then what do we do about school? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they start to have friends that they want to hang out with and then you're leaving. And so it just gets harder. Right. Um, And so we had this big talk of what would this complete career shift mean and Mm -hmm. look like. And it's four more years of school where I would need to go back to work full time. So basically leave what I had already started to build up. Right. Um, and go back to be the breadwinner, you know, for our family so that he could get his master's. And we kind of, you know, we talked and talked about it and we kind of came to a point of it's now or never. Mm -hmm. Like we do this now or we don't do it at all. So we went for it just really on a wing and a prayer, literally, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so that brought us to St. Louis, um, where we lived for four years and, um, and that's where I worked in the uh, language services uh, profession, doing translation project management. So I was still working with words. Mm-hmm. I was just working with words that were in many different languages. And it became a sort of proofreading job where I was literally I'm proofreading an English translation against something in a different language. And even if you like, you don't know the language, I don't speak 15 languages, right. you know, but if there's a period in English, there should probably be a period somewhere in this other language. And if there's a sentence in English, that's like three words long, then you should make sure that, you know, the one in this language is probably similar. So you just, you're basically looking for inconsistencies. Right. Stru- comparing structure. Comparing structure. Yeah. And it, it was fascinating. Um, what was also fascinating about that job was I was working as part of an agency and I was learning the role of project management, mm-hmm. which ended up being um, really a translatable skill for when we left St. Louis and we came here to Rapid City um, because I use a lot of what I picked up in that job for the business that I'm now building today. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to rewind a little bit because we talked, you were talking about when you were kind of what you called freelancing and putting on these workshops did you see yourself as an entrepreneur at that point? Or are you just like, these are gigs and this is the way I pay the bills and get to do what I do? Mm-hmm. Or did you like, were you starting to like figure out a structure and seeing like entrepreneurship is a world that I could enter? That's exactly what it was. So I, I didn't, so, you know, I knew I wanted to be a writer from the time I was three years old. I never knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I never 
saw those two as being kind of compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until probably our time in Kansas City that I started to see that possibility of, you know, this, what I do can be more than just gigs, right? It can mm-hmm. be more than teaching a workshop here, pitching a story there. Like I can build a business out of this. And at that time, I was really thinking of just a business of myself, of Kate Meadows, right? That that I'll be the writer, I'll be the editor, I'll be the teacher. And I was thinking in those terms of like, how do I build out a business like that where I can do some writing, I can do some editing, I can do some teaching. And so when we moved here to Rapid City, that was what I had in mind. And that was kind of where I started when we moved here. That's so interesting. And you bring up a point that I'm sure if people have been listening to the podcast since the beginning, they've heard me say many times, but the difference between like building a job for yourself Mm -hmm. and a company and maybe, you know, who knows if you're still figuring that out. I know all solopreneurs, I feel like struggle with this immensely is not just, you know, doing stuff, but the execution and building a company. And I know we're going to get more into it, but it seems like freelance is very much like, I'm just doing a job, but getting paid independently for it. But when you start to put stuff together, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, this is a bigger and greater thing. It's not just execution of skills. It's how does this become a sustainable revenue source for myself and how it might grow into something different in the future. Right. Exactly. And sustainable and predictable, right? Mm-hmm. So I still love freelancing today. I love pitching articles. I love writing query letters. I love trying to sell an idea to a publication. And I mean, it, it gets even sweeter when you get a yes, right? right. I mean, you get, you get 100 no's and you get 10 yeses. But, you know, I always tell my clients, like, you're not you're not pitching or you're not putting yourself out there if you're not getting rejected. Like rejection is part of it, like it just is. And um, I always, you know, I talk about Stephen King who in his book on writing, he talks about having a nail in the wall. He put a nail in the wall. And when, you know, he was right, he still writes today, but back in the time he's talking about, that was when you would get um, notifications by mail. Mm-hmm. And you'd open the envelope and it would say yes or no. And so he would um, he would tack his rejection slips on that nail um, until he filled up the nail. And he, mm-hmm. he couldn't fit any more on there. And so what does he do? He gets another nail. Right. right? <laughs> and so, so I talk about that with, with rejection, that that's just the name of the game in freelancing. Um, but you have to keep putting yourself out there over and over and over again. So I still love doing that, but I'm at a point now where I'm, I'm going, this is part of what I do. This is not all of what I do. Mm -hmm. Do you want more of Kate Meadows? Here's your chance. On September 12th, we are winning in Rapid City at the Rushmore Hotel and Suites. Kate will be our spotlight speaker talking about tips on how to convey your personal brand in your business and personal communications. Make sure you grab your tickets, they're still available, and we'll see you on Tuesday at the Rushmore Hotel and Suites from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. See you then. How do you get inspiration? Submit the quote or a win that you've had recently to us by emailing bailey.joe.sadowski at bhsu.edu and have your recording played live on the West podcast. So you're in Rapid City now. Yep. Let's start there. So 
did you, were you like, I'm starting my business here? Or were you like, I'm going to get another job and then try this on the side? It was absolutely, I'm starting my business here. I am putting my shingle up, so to speak. I'm going out there and I am making this happen. So what was your first step? Because you're in a new community, a new state, and now you grow up in Wyoming, but still mm-hmm. South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your first like action item? If I think back, I, my first action item, I would say, was to get a logo. So, well, mm-hmm. first it was to decide the business name, right? And this is actually really interesting because my business name right now is Kate Meadows Writing and Editing. So it's my name. Mm-hmm. And I was toying with that or with something that didn't have my name but was more like generic an agency yeah. or that was mm-hmm. like, you know, just not a person. And so I didn't know, I I could see advantages of doing both. And so I reached out to my two um, biggest supporters and most knowledgeable people in business building that I know. And that is my dad and my uncle who have both built wildly successful businesses in nothing having to do with what I'm doing, not Mm -hmm. at all. But their business mind and their money mind, like they're just so smart. Which you bring up a good point because you're an expert in your writing craft, yes. but not an expert in business. business. So you're learning yes. a whole nother world yes. as you're trying to do all of this. Exactly. And I can't even say I realized at the time that I was needing to do that. I was just, okay, you know, step one, I probably need a business name. Like, what is it going to be? You know? And so I reached out to them because of their business knowledge and mm-hmm. business mindset and background. Well, one tells me, go with your name. And the other tells me, go with something besides your name. And I'm like, isn't that great? (laughs) Yes. But I think it did reinforce, like, you know, I was right to think that, um, that like to see value in both. Mm -hmm. So in a way, there's no wrong answer, which isn't necessarily helpful, but right. Regardless, um, so I ended up going with my my name, obviously, and I think that was in my mind at the time. It was, you know, I'm starting small, so let's not pretend like I'm bigger than I am. I just want to be, you know, this is is who I am and this is what I do. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that it has to be that way forever, but this is step one. Right. And so then after that, then it was, um, and I already had a website um, Mm -hmm. that was uh, katemeadows.com. So, and that was kind of what I had been just playing around with on the side through all those years. Mm-hmm. So I already had that. And so it's like, well, let's just use what we already have, redesign it. Um, and I got a logo, which I had never had before. So, I mean, which I, I bet you felt so excited once you finally I got did. that. Yeah. And I, I just loved it. And, um, and so, yeah, that was really the kind of starting point here. Nice. So you now have your business did you think about like your legal setup when you were doing all this and funding or I guess like a plan for revenue? Did you have a business plan or are you just like, let's roll along? Well, what's interesting is I, I did a legitimate business plan through the small business administration, SBA. And I, I really appreciated it for all the questions that it asked. And like, it, it was kind of a guide for like, you need to figure this out and you need to determine this and that. And I would hit some questions that I didn't know how to answer. So I'd go back to my dad Mm -hmm. and he would always just be skeptical. Like, why are you making a business plan? 
you know, not that he didn't believe in what I was doing, but I think he just didn't see the need for it because I was such a small little entity. Mm. He's like, which he was right. I mean, I felt like I needed to be legit and by the book, like legal, and that the way to do that was to form a business plan, like a, like a documentation. Official, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but then my dad saying, you know, you, you really don't need that yet. And honestly, like I, I haven't looked at that thing since I put it together. It was good again for like brainstorming and getting ideas, but yeah, I haven't needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, uh, one of the things I did, which is, it might sound like a trivial detail, but I do want to mention it is I got a PO box because mm-hmm. one of the things with doing business, you know, out of your home is I don't necessarily want all my clients to, to know, know where you live, where I live. Um, so I got, I got a PO box and I kind of pay through the teeth for that. Like, especially now it is expensive, but it's, it's almost to me like this added security that is worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I don't, you know, I, I don't use it or I don't need it every single day, but the few times that I'm thankful for it, I'm like, yeah, that's worth, it's worth the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I just forgot where else I was going with that. But, we're talking about business yeah. plans and how we were your steps of action. Yes. And I guess, what were you doing in formation of your business? Yes, that's where. So the um, I did after about it's probably two years, I formed an LLC. Okay. And so it, it took a while and I didn't think I really needed it in the beginning. And I don't regret not having it. Um, but yeah, a couple years into it, I, I took that leap and I haven't looked back. So that's just another thing that I feel like is necessary for legal protection mm-hmm. um, and of your of yourself and your assets. You Absolutely, know. especially with writing, like mm-hmm. there's there's so much not wiggle room, but it's so black and white, and people can take things in certain ways, and you just never know when writing is put out there. No matter how much due diligence you will do, what it how it can affect people mm-hmm. and it I mean it can really damage people's reputations if it's done incorrectly yeah whether that's intentionally or unintentionally so yeah, absolutely you just never know what's going to happen in the world so we always encourage making sure you, your business is set up mm-hmm. correctly and I it's good to hear that you have had um you don't regret that and have success with that so right and I would say one other thing that I did that um I am so happy I did was I hired an accountant Mm -hmm. um, and she helped me. That was a whole nother education in and of itself. So um, she helped me really understand sales tax when I need to be charging it when I don't. Um, And then she also pays my sales tax for me. So I don't even, I don't need to think about it at all. She's on that. And, um, but, but without her, I would have no idea what I was doing in terms of that end of things. Mm -hmm. So did you also kind of have like a lesson in how to read like your revenue and like track your expenses and all of that? Or is that what your accountant is for? So my accountant helps me with uh, just overall record keeping. Mm -hmm. Let's say I still track the expenses and the income and all that. Um, But she's helped me get on the platform where I can see that a lot more easily I was doing everything in Excel before her, manually, manually. So I would like be recording. Which takes know. time. <laughs> <laughs> it takes time and it's not like, am I accurate all the time? Like I, 
I wish I could say that, but you mm-hmm. know, um, so just that she was, she helped me to automate a lot of that was really helpful. Um, in terms of just finances and, and knowing that side of things, I've always been, uh, really into how money works and just paying attention to that almost as a hobby, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's something that is not drudgery for me. It doesn't intimidate me. It's just fascinating. So, think I have that as sort of an advantage as a now as a business owner to like have that sort of mindset of let's go in and play around with this or see how this is shaping Mm -hmm. up you know um so I think you know if if people don't have that because not everyone does then leaning on your accountant is a really good idea because that's an area where you don't want to like you don't want to play around with that. Yeah, you, want to know you don't know what on. you're doing. Yes. Well, and it, it impacts how you grow too, right? In right. the future. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that. So you start off as trying to do editing and copywriting. And that was in 2019, right? Is mm-hmm. when you started Kate Meadows writing and editing mm-hmm. to 2023. Mm-hmm. How has your business grown in those past four years? It has evolved I would say and um, before we got on this podcast I was telling you a little bit about how it's um, in this sort of pivot point right now where I'm kind of in the you know I feel like I'm right at the edge of a new transition which is really exciting Um, but where the where it's grown is one I learned that you can't you know when I when I started in 2019 I had this really pretty picture in my head that I'll, you know, divide my business equally among writing, editing, and teaching. Mm -hmm. So a third, a third, a third. Well, then you get requests for editing, and that starts to weigh more than the third that you put, that you, you know, allocate to it. Well, I don't have any writing projects going on necessarily, so would it be silly to say, like, I'm not going to accept this paid work right now because it doesn't fit with my model. Mm-hmm. Or do you build your model around the work that is needing to be done, right? Right. And so so right off the bat, I realized that the third principle was not going to work, um, at least not right away, and that I probably need to be taking on saying yes to the projects that are coming in and then kind of seeing where that goes. So so I did that, and the editing part just grew and grew and grew to where um, I did up my hourly rate. Uh, and then I got to a point where I said, you know, I don't, I don't want to, like, because I, I serve individuals. Mm-hmm. I work with individual people and small businesses. I don't work with corporations who have huge budgets, so I don't want to charge, like, you're going to have a huge budget, right? I want to keep that in mind of who I'm serving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these editing projects, they are wonderful and I love them and I love working with my clients. They're all one-on-one projects. So where I'm growing now is looking at how do I change the model so that I can serve one to many mm-hmm. instead of one-on-one. And it's tough because I don't know that I want to, I don't think I want to entirely let go of the one-on-one, mm-hmm. but it, um, it will probably be, you know, just more of a question of, of access and, you know, would you thrive in a group coaching session um, where you're paying less but still getting value from me and from others? Or do you want to pay a little bit more to have that one-on-one access and one-on-one you know, feedback. Right. Because there's only so much time as a one-person <laughs> show and what yes. you can do. So learning how to expand your business 
if you want to keep it just you or if you want to grow it to other people, have mm-hmm. you ever considered growing it beyond just you? I have. Yeah. And that's that's really, I think, the pivot point that I'm at right now is mm-hmm. I want to bring someone else on, but where? Like, where would that person plug in? Mm-hmm. Um, and what skills can I scale versus what skills you know, are there projects, say, that you could, so like a writing project, for example, um, uh, web copy, which we haven't talked about a whole lot, but that is one service that I offer. I would feel more comfortable bringing on someone to help with that aspect of, you know, um, let's to like kind of train that person in helping the client get clear on their story, right, mm-hmm. on what their message is to their customers. Um as opposed to bringing someone in and teaching them how to edit a novel, because that to me is such a subjective, almost artistic process. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that sets me apart is my unique approach in doing it that I don't know that I can teach, if that makes sense, that it's, Mm -hmm. it's like my unique way of doing right. it because it might there's a lot of my personality that goes into it even you right. know so it's almost like I know we talked about you wrote your business plan and you haven't really looked at it since you did it but it's almost like you are reforming a new business plan for this mm-hmm. next chapter of yes. your your business and what does that all look like in terms of now in mind like growth and mm-hmm. um expanding and just being able to adapt to your clients needs and such so absolutely and as a matter of fact just last week I purchased a new domain name so exciting yeah I don't have it built out yet like it's it's still very much like at ground Mm -hmm. level but I own the domain name so Kate Meadows is still there katemeadows.com but a new one's coming (laughs) big things coming soon So with that being said, how are you navigating making this decision? Are you really just going from your gut? Are you looking at what demand you have right now? Or are you moving in a direction of business you want to bring in in the future? I guess, how are you making these decisions as you're pivoting? Obviously, Mm -hmm. we're in the nitty gritty of it right now. So you might not know everything. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about that. Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say yes to all of that. Um, A lot of it is gut. A lot of it is Um, where my clients are now and how can I serve them better and how can I serve more of them. Um, One of my weaknesses that I will be the first to admit is that I am slow. I am a slow editor. That novel that we talked about, it took me a year Mm -hmm. to edit. Now, I can tell you it was absolutely thorough. I mean, there's no question that like it was done well, but that client waited for a year to get it back. And um, how do I, you know... I want to be more efficient. I want to be faster. And what does that look like, you know, to, to be able to serve my clients? Um, so, so looking at that and then, and then, yeah, thinking for the future and wanting to, you know, provide more income for my family, mm-hmm. um, so that, you know, we can, we can, do more fun things, I guess. I don't know. Right. I mean, or maybe not yeah. be so reliant on your time being the only thing bringing in revenue, Absolutely. right? Opening up space yep. for you as well. Yeah, that's huge. That whole idea of, of passive income and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one thing we haven't touched on, Kate, during this is how have you found your clients? Like how have you brought in your, your customers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish... 
I had an easy answer for that. Um, I seem to find them, you know, I, I'm trying to think of if there's like a common denominator, but um, I do attend, I attend networking groups here in town that um, I've gotten clients from and just made connections that then lead to other connections. So that's been really valuable. Um, I am on a networking platform online that has brought in a few clients. I have a newsletter that brings in clients. Um, and, and so then having that like regular or consistent content mm-hmm. also helps. Um, I've done a little bit with Google SEO, the local SEO, and I've gotten a few things there. So it's just there's been a variety of of ways, which I think I think that's important too, is the idea of, you know, you always talk about like money wise diversifying your assets, don't have all your eggs in one basket. I think the same is true with marketing. You gotta mm-hmm. try. You wanna cast a wide net and then see what works and definitely pull the plug on what doesn't work, but you can't know what doesn't work until you give it some time, yeah. right? Exactly. So are most of your clients local? No. Okay. Some of them are. Um, a few of them are local, but most of them are out of state. Do you get a lot of word of mouth reg- recommendations or is it mostly just through your, your cold networking kind of channels? There is some word of mouth, um, but a lot of it is through the networking. Um, and then um, word of mouth, I find too, uh, people will come to me with projects that um, are somewhat within my wheelhouse, but not entirely, you know, mm-hmm. so... Um, so I had a question recently of, you know, will you, can you help me write product descriptions for my website? Because you're a writer, mm-hmm. you know. I've had the question of, can you help me publish my book on Amazon because you're a writer, you know. And, and so some of that, um, you know, it, it's, it's not directly uh, tied to what I do, but there's carryover. And so how do you handle that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. How do you handle that kind of thing? (laughs) So what I've been doing, again, in the spirit of growing my business, I have been saying yes to most projects. And then if I am not the person to carry through all of it, I will subcontract out the experts who who can help. So Mm -hmm. for example, um, with the publishing, uh, I have a designer who will do all the formatting and get everything ready for... uh, for Kindle, for upload on Kindle. And then I can help with the the kind of front matter of it. So you're writing the summary, you're adding the keywords, you're doing all that, and you're asking the client questions about, you know, what is important, you know, what what are the words that really define this story? Who is your target market? You know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So that goes, that feeds into the sort of clarity aspect of, you know, getting clear on what your story is or who it's for. Mm-hmm. Do you think you spend time um, educating people on the services that you offer and the difference between all the different facets? Because that seems to be like in any industry, people have a general knowledge of it. And then they assume that if you are in this industry, you know how to do everything. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case because there's it's so much more complex than that. Yes, um, I'm starting to do that, starting to kind of think more on the educational front as far as my content goes. So um, in the newsletters I send out, there will be, you know, I'm always trying to kind of educate people or give people an idea of what is this service about or why would you need this or things to think about when you're looking for this type of service or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is, that's something I'm starting to think about. But again, I didn't realize the importance of that at the beginning. 
Right. So what would be the dream for Kate Meadows writing and editing Mm. five years down the road? That question always scares me. I I love it because it's such a good question. Mm -hmm. And I go, oh my gosh, which dream? That's what scares me about it because I have like three and I don't think they can all happen. So at one time, (laughs) at one time. Yeah. So one of the dreams I have, um, I talked about this writing studio or center in Kansas City, and Mm -hmm. it was a mansion. Literally, it was a mansion on a street corner and it was owned by a wealthy family um, that as part of the estate um, wanted to turn it into a writing center when nobody lived there anymore. And through their generosity, um, they were able to build up this uh, this place to be exactly that. So it's um, they would host uh, readings there, and mm-hmm. they would host classes. They would host programs for teenagers. Um, so anything just writing related, um, and and it was really community centered. Um, so I would love, you know. In Rapid City, of course, we have nothing like that. Um, would there even be a market for it? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Um, but that would be a dream to have a little, you know, it doesn't have to be a mansion, but just a little, a little a place. place. Yeah. Yeah. A community gathering space. Yes. 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 That's a good dream. And I can't wait to see what kind of comes out of this. Um, have you ever had to get investments or funding for your business and growth and or is that something that you think you'll have to do in the future i haven't yet um, because i'm pretty conservative uh so i'm more of i'm gonna save up for the thing before i get the thing Mm -hmm. then i'm gonna go get financing for it um so i don't know i think a lot of it has just been being creative and um kind of yeah conservative with our spending and then as my business grows I don't I don't like I haven't really paid myself yet Mm -hmm. Um, it's all kind of going back into the business so um, just kind of reinvesting everything that comes in to try to grow it that way Um, but I am at this sort of crux of you know when you need someone Mm -hmm. when like you're ready to bring someone on but you can't afford like a full-time salary yet. How, like, what does that work? And I, I don't want to pay someone $10 an hour. Like I want to pay what's fair Mm -hmm. because I know what that's like. Like you, you want to, you want to be paid what you feel like you're worth. And I want people, I want whoever, like whoever would come work for me to be as invested in and as passionate about this business as I am. And Mm -hmm. how can you do that when it's, you know, well, I'll pay you minimum wage. Right. You know, so, so I'm kind of at that crux of how do you, how do you offer something of value to someone? Like, you know, you need someone, but you can't necessarily afford someone yet. So what does that look like? And I know there are ways to like, you know, go out and get a loan or go like find this grant or whatever. But I just, I haven't gone there yet. Right. You're still exploring that option. Yes, exactly. And you're at a, a, it seems like a, a stage that we see a lot of um, solo entrepreneurs in is you're ready for growth, but you're like, I'm not quite sure I can afford someone, but at what point do you take the leap or figure exactly. out how to do that? Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. how you expand in the next couple of years. Do you think that's one of your biggest challenges that you're facing right now and have faced in this business? Yeah, definitely. Just the the bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I I love the flexibility of my job that I can still, you know, go pick up kids from school or I can still make it to the baseball game or whatever. And I'm not working 70 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder sometimes what would be possible if I did work 70 hours a week, but I can't let myself do that. Um, and so there's just so much work that needs to be done, but I can't, like, I can't. You just physically put can't it do in it right now. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, that, that is definitely one of the biggest challenges. And then how do you, you know, what's the solution to that? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, after we're talking about the highs and lows and the whole journey, would you do this again? And what would you tell an aspiring entrepreneur? There's no question I would do it again. Um, Every once in a while, I'll stop and ask myself, like, if you could do anything in the world you wanted, like, what would you do differently? And I, there's nothing I would do differently. Um, I am just, just cause I'm so happy where I am now. Mm-hmm. Do I want to make more money? Yes. Do I want to work more? Yes. But just for where we are in our, just our season of life, we are totally happy right now. Um, and so, so yeah, what was the question? What would you tell someone who wants what to What would be I in? tell someone? Yes. Yep. Um, so I think you don't want to get into entrepreneurship lightly. Um, and I think it's really critical to have a mentor or resources around you as you are working, as you're working on it. I also think um, no vision is too small. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but you need people around you to encourage you and to kind of feed that. So I found that a lot in, you know, again, my family that has been just super, super supportive. I've also found it in podcasts that I listen to that um, are really big resources. And then in the networking groups that I am part of, um, what happens is you you start meeting people and you start talking about what you do and you hear about what they do and you start to build these relationships. So then you can and, and with relationships, then ideally comes the trust factor mm-hmm. and you're able to really, um, you know, talk to someone candidly about, you know, what questions you have or where you're struggling or um, what you're kind of thinking and, and bounce ideas off of people. Because one of the things with entrepreneurship is it can be a really lonely road. Mm-hmm. Um, so my husband is my best friend, but he's usually not the first person I'm going to go to when I have a business question. Cause he's not, he'll be the first to say he's not entrepreneurial minded. He never has been. And so he'll listen to me, but he can't offer really advice or, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and sometimes I don't think like it doesn't even interest him necessarily, you know. Um, so I want to go to someone who likes to talk about that and likes to get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, and so I do. I, I have a dear friend who we meet pretty regularly about once a month and we talk business together. And she's also an entrepreneur and um, amazing at what she does. And we just kind of talk through the mess of it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just really feels really good. So, um, and I wouldn't be where I am today without her. So I think that idea of mentorship and just that outside support is really key. It's so critical to have those people in your life, especially as an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, as I've said a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And 
like you said, the nitty gritty of it, like no one else really knows what you're going through and having that fresh perspective to take a step back and knowing when you're stuck in your head mm-hmm. and knowing who's the right person to go for, for the advice that you're seeking. Right. right. You kind of mentioned that too. So mm-hmm. it's, that's putting that whole kind of game plan into play as you, you navigate entrepreneurship and probably your career in life and in, in general. Yes. Is there any last nuggets of wisdom you want to leave with our audience today? Mm. I think for me, you know, writing is all about communication. That's the base of it all. Like we write to communicate, whether that's communicating with ourselves and we're writing in a journal or writing to communicate with our family, like a family history sort of thing, or writing to communicate with a larger audience. Um, I think, um, you know, there's so many people who regret not sharing stories And so I always want to encourage people to do it, even if it's not for you, if it's for people that you love who will want it somewhere down the road. Um, And I think that's true even as business owners, that you want to get clear on who you are and who you serve. Um, And so a lot of that comes in writing. A lot of the processing of that can come in just brainstorming. And you put the pencil to paper and you just kind of see what comes in. And a lot of clarity and um, sort of moving forward can come from that. Absolutely. People connect with stories. And I think you just nailed it on the head. (laughs) Thank you, Kate. Thanks for joining us today on the West Podcast. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, this is Sarah Carlson from the South Dakota Arts Council in Pierre, South Dakota. My favorite quote today is from the Bible, Proverbs 24, verse 16. Even the just man falls seven times a day. Cut yourself some slack, but do your best. Have a great day. SDCO West is a nonprofit women's business center funded in part by a co-op agreement with the U.S. Small Business Administration and hosted at Black Hill State University in South Dakota. SDCO West is one of two women's business centers in South Dakota. Find our events and business resources in Western and Central South Dakota by visiting www.bhsu.edu backslash SDCEO.